Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of EO Fire and welcome to Master Leadership. Great leaders ask great questions and this podcast takes you on a journey to master leadership with questions that matter to leaders who matter with your host, Lily Sinabria. Hi, this is Lily and it's super exciting to have Cameron Brown with us today. Now, I reached out to Cameron because of the intentional way that he leads his life and serves others. Cameron was born and raised in Outback, Australia. He has turned his dream and passion for helping others into a socially conscious company that empowers people across the globe, thrivingcollective.com. Cameron's latest project, hashtag Dream Live Give, has him on a global quest. He sold or donated 99% of the things he used to own and is now traveling the world and shining the light on what it means to dream big, live fully, and make an impact in a sustainable way. Through the talks he gives, people he coaches, and social campaigns he creates that have an audience in 195 countries, Cameron discusses important topics including human potential, creative thinking, social isolation, and living an extraordinary life. All right. Well, welcome, Cameron Brown. How are you? Awesome. Great. We're so happy to have you on our podcast. And as you know, this podcast takes us on a journey to master leadership. And we want to do that today by asking you key questions. So are you ready to pour into our listeners? Let's do this. Let's do this. (laughs) Now, Cameron, you're a bit different from any of my former guests. Not only are you a speaker and trainer, but you're a singer, songwriter, blogger, thriver. I mean, should I go on? You do so much. (laughs) And effective leadership begins with leading oneself well. And you, my friend, do that in extraordinary ways. Um, You dream big. You live big. You live to make an impact in the lives of those around you. You're very intentional about how you live. So can mm. you tell us a bit about your journey and what you're doing now? Sure. Uh, so right now I'm uh, speaking to you. I'm sitting in uh, Costa Rica mm. overlooking San Jose to my right. So it's an overcast day, but it's, uh, it's beautiful here at the moment. I'm, I'm jealous a little bit. A little bit. I'm in New York. <laughs> know that it's overcast at least today. Oh. So uh, it puts you at ease a little. But for me, uh, 2016, I sold or donated 99% of the things I used to own. This was after a year of running events and experiences in multiple countries around the world for thought leaders in their space, uh, entrepreneurs, influencers, people that are making a positive impact. Uh, ran those events in New York and LA and Toronto and then four locations in Australia as well where I'm from originally and running those events was absolutely amazing and this was the next phase from that because one thing that I found each flight coming back was that I felt this desire to get rid of a lot of things because I felt just there was so much stuff in my life that didn't really have purpose, didn't really have meaning to it and it just felt empty. And that happened each time that I flew back to Australia and to a point where I thought, look, I really want to do something about this because maybe other people are experiencing something similar. And maybe they wouldn't do something as drastic as what I did in terms of getting rid of everything. Wow. But if I could be a, a living and breathing example of what it means to do that fully, then 
if someone can look and say, well, if I could just have 10% of that, then that would be amazing. Mm-hmm. And so that's part of the journey. And uh, after growing up in Outback Australia and uh, spending a lot of years there and going through a number of different roles before going out onto my own and running my own company and then expanding that internationally. So what prompted you? I mean, I know that you were feeling all these things, mm. but a lot of us feel a lot of things and we don't really move on them because, you know, it could be fear, it could be discomfort, whatever that may be. You went ahead and did it. What <laughs> pivoted you? What prompted you or what moved you? I think one of the biggest parts is uh, becoming your own best friend, because when the fears come up, you're there to support yourself through that. And when you're succeeding in a really great way, you're there to celebrate your success as well. And I went through a lot of training and a lot of growth a number of years ago and continue to do and will forever do Mm -hmm. uh, on my own self and my emotional intelligence and how to build that into my own development of myself so that I could then empower as many people around the world as possible. And so when flashes or insights come to me of, well, It just feels like there's empty stuff there. That's just one example. There's been so many different examples where there's almost the impulse. And yeah, it can be not so great to act on those at times. But what I'll do is I have a very clear mission and a very clear purpose. And when I can see that something is aligned to that and will allow me to become even more of that and become uh, an even better example of what's possible, then I can move forward with that and will move forward with that. But if it's out of alignment, then I'm very quick to say no as well because I'm clear on the boundaries that I have, the priorities that I have, and also what I'm wanting to achieve on this planet. And, you know, Cameron, I've spoken to you before and you are very self-aware. And I know that that takes a journey. Big time. Uh, Yeah. And, you know, you spoke of emotional intelligence. Can you talk a little bit about how that's connected, um, why emotional intelligence is so important to you and how being self-aware is so connected to that and how that shifted you. All of the above, totally. Emotional intelligence to me has been the most valuable thing I've ever learned. I believe that it should be a compulsory subject in schools and we can talk about that in a moment Mm -hmm. uh, because it's allowed me to become aware of why I do what I do but more importantly, being able to actually do something about that. Mm-hmm. One big part of emotional intelligence is you have awareness around why you do what you do. You are able to then do something about it. Then you can have emotional awareness as to other people's emotions as well. But it starts with you first. If you, you can't expect to fully and wholly connect with somebody else if you can't fully and wholly connect with yourself first. And so mm. if you don't have a clear level of emotional intelligence, a high level of emotional intelligence, where you feel, you almost feel like you're taken care of where you don't need anything from anybody else or anything else, imagine what you can bring to a relationship then. If you feel fully taken care of, you don't need anything from that relationship so that you can then become a genuine giver in that relationship and be there to serve in any way that you can. And that's what leadership is. It's about serving. It's about allowing people to become bigger and better than what they previously would have been able to do if they didn't come into your existence or or come into your way of being and your leadership role or wherever it is that leadership plays out in your life, whoever's listening in here. Mm -hmm. And so if you can fully take care of yourself first, that is just such an empowering and powerful way to be because you're able to overcome your own fears. These aren't just fears that are on the surface. These are fears that deep down when you go to sleep at night, you're worried about. 
or when nobody else is around, maybe not even your husband or your wife knows about, but deep down you have fears that are playing out. Everybody has them. It comes down to how you manage them that makes all the difference and determines how great a leader you become. This is why I believe it's so important to bring this into the schooling system as well because I remember growing up, I had some real issues. There was some bullying and you're looking back, there was some bullying that I did as well. If I look back, I wasn't clinically diagnosed or anything like that, but I look at all of the things that happened. I was absolutely depressed. There were suicidal tendencies and this was through my teenage years. And it was at the time where I felt so disconnected from myself, from Mm -hmm. basically everything around me. And then I look at the training that I went through when I came out of school. And this was on my own and self-training and self-empowerment because of some of the challenges that I went through after school. And I look back and think, if I had learned and known this stuff, would have I still had the challenges? Probably. Mm -hmm. But would I have been able to deal with them in a more empowering way? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I believe that technology, that's speeding up at a rapid rate. And there's a framework that I created called the creation zone that I think really articulates this well. If you imagine uh, like a Venn diagram, two two circles joined together. On the right-hand side, you've got the environment, so everything else external to you. The left-hand side, you've got your individual self. Mm-hmm. And that individual self, you've got your own fears, your beliefs, your wants, your aspirations, your frustrations, everything that goes on internally, as well as your talents and strengths. Some of those you're naturally born with. Most of them, though, they're learned over years and years of programming that are built in with our parents, with school, with friends, with everything else around us. And we form that sense of identity within ourselves, the sense of who we are and what makes up the patterns of behavior that play out in our day-to-day lives. When we come into contact with something external, now let's say in a leadership role, you are coming into contact with one of your colleagues, or you're looking to negotiate a deal, or you're building a relationship with somebody that could generate into some form of partnership. You're educating somebody else on a specific area of interest. Whatever the thing is, when you come into contact with something external to you, you create something. Mm -hmm. Now, what that something is, a lot of that comes down to your individual self and what you bring to that situation. So for example, Let's say you're speaking with somebody and you have a deep, dark fear of rejection or abandonment, which comes from your childhood, which I've got to say a lot of people have. I've right. coached not only younger people on it, but people up to 60, 70 years of age on that, which has been going on their whole entire lives. Right. And if you've got that playing out and you come into a relationship or a conversation and deep down that fear is playing out and maybe they say something. Or maybe the conversation doesn't quite go as what you thought it would. And you walk away from that thinking, see, I told you you weren't cut out for this. Mm -hmm. I told you you didn't have what it takes. These fears play out that somebody has just rejected me and therefore I must not be good enough. Right. And the thing with what I call the creation zone, think about technology now. We look at, say, the schools and kids They're being exposed to new technology at such a rapid rate. And when you come into contact with that creation zone, with technology, you're being exposed to many times more the experiences than what you were previously. For example, cyberbullying. That's a big one right now. And so it's it's available 24-7 now, whereas previously it was only at school. We also got the amount of times that it is. 
and the rate at which it is, as well as the alarming nature of it as well, because somebody can hide behind some form of technology and say maybe even more nasty things. And, but yeah, you think and about you it. just play out that darkness. That darkness. And so yeah. if you already have that on an individual level and the darkness comes into contact with that technology, which is speeding up at a rapid rate by itself, right. in that creation zone, we magnify that which we believe that we are. And if that's going on unconsciously, that will speed up the rate at which that plays out. And this is why, and I, it is such a scary statistic going on, but uh, in Australia, I know it was in, in the US as well, suicide rates are increasing. And they're increasing at alarming age brackets. Right. I know in Australia, in 2014, it was the first time in a decade they increased. They increased again in 2015. They have increased in younger teenagers and 18 to 24 year old brackets at an mm. alarming rate. Wow. And it's increasing at older rates as well, by the way. So this isn't just younger kids. This is happening in adults as well. But mm. you know, it's really scary to see those statistics playing out on a young level. And I can just see why it's playing out because they're coming into contact with the creation zone. They haven't learned why they do what they do or why they feel the way they feel. And so they think that it's part of who they are rather than just patterns of behavior or emotions flowing through them. And when that happens, it's a mix, like a cocktail of emotional pieces playing out that if not worked on and worked through, are going to have dire consequences, which is why it's just got to become a must that it's a compulsory subject in schools, not only from a uh, developmental point of view, which is proving to be the statistics that emotional intelligence in a lot of cases is much more important than IQ itself, mm-hmm. but for their well-being, right. for their happiness, for their satisfaction, for allowing them to experience what it means to be fulfilled and happy and have meaning in their lives. That's what this can create for them. And not only can it speed up the rate at which they end up feeling not good enough, if we can instill this in their childhood years, it can also speed up the rate in which they thrive. And that's the magical thing about the creation zone. So, you know, Cameron, as you speak, my heart is just swelling because I get this. In fact, I did this experiment. I went on to Second Life, and this was several years ago. And I'm not sure if it's still around, but you can create a second life as if my first life wasn't enough, right? (laughs) So you create a second life, and I put myself in here, and I'm walking around. And very shortly after that, I encountered people who were bullies. And now this is virtual and I'm a full grown adult and it triggered a lot of emotions in me and I pulled out and I had the sense to do that. And I also had the sense to know that it was a second life, but it triggered emotions in me. And as an adult, I can you know, navigate that. But as think about what you're talking about when you have children who haven't learned to do that yet and they get involved and sucked into something like this um, and how devastating that is. Um, Absolutely. I use the analogy with clients. It's like being on a roller coaster. And when you're on the roller coaster, you're going up and you're going down. You don't feel like you've got control. But if you can allow yourself to disassociate from the patterns of behavior, which at the end of the day, that's all they are. When you think about bullying, all it is is a pattern of behavior of someone needing to overpower somebody and for the pattern to be complete, someone needing to be overpowered. And that's why it's so important that when you learn to get off the roller coaster, 
and see the roller coaster going up and flipping around and going there and going there and, and doing a flip around here and then going around there. It becomes, huh, that's a cool ride. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you can see it as a disassociated pattern of behavior playing out, which allows you to see and experience it for what it really is, uh, which is not who you actually are. And so, you know, our work is so connected because my focus is helping to raise the emotional intelligence in leadership because you spoke about how having emotional intelligence really raises your awareness, really helps you to connect with other people, you know, and then you encounter the fears and when, when we're able to get through those fears, that's wonderful. Um, but as adults, we've developed these patterns where these fears can be overwhelming. I find that as children, we can possibly learn to shift that a little quicker. But as adults, we've kind of sunk in our heels and these fears can seem like monsters. And I've experienced that myself. It's taken so much work, but the outcome yeah. is so beautiful. Really, this is my passion work to help us as leaders. And one of the things, Cameron, and you touched on this, that as a leader, if you've not dealt with your stuff, you will yeah. hurt not only yourself, but a lot of people. Yeah. Those listening in, because you're educational leaders and those others that are listening in as well, you have a responsibility to influence people in a really positive way. And as you mentioned, that if you haven't taken care of your own stuff, then that will play out in right. your relationships. And studies have shown that Within your brain, you do develop neural pathways that do become more challenging to break as adults, mm -hmm. but it's not impossible. Absolutely. No, not by far. I remember having a breakthrough session with one of my clients who was an executive in a bank, and he was 64, I think. It was a few years ago now. We got back to when he was four years of age, mm -hmm. and something had happened then that he had taken with him his whole entire life that had held him back. Right. And we broke through that and came back to the next session. And I said, what would you like to share since we had the first session to now? And the first thing he said, I'll never forget it. He said, I can't believe it was that easy. <laughs> yeah. And so for those of you listening in that think that, well, this is just the way that I am, I'm calling BS on it right. because it's not the case. Right. And what it is, is you've got to develop a level of curiosity about what's possible. And I've, I've got to say, curiosity, especially over the past two years for me, I've always been a reasonably curious guy and it's definitely got me in trouble on more than one occasion, but yeah. it's definitely allowed me to succeed in a really empowering way now. And I've got to say, curiosity is one of the most underutilized yet most powerful skills that we can develop. And as adults, we tend to lose sight of that. As children, we have this childlike curiosity. It almost gets beaten out of us. And as adults, we lose sight of that because we have to grow up and become an adult. Mm -hmm. But I've got to say that childlike curiosity allows you to open up to all the possibilities. If you think if you need something to go a certain way, you're very rigid in your approach because it has to go that certain way. Whereas if you're curious, you open up to all the beautiful array of colors that are possibly available in terms of solving a specific challenge in leadership, in relationships, in personal life as well. And mm -hmm. so that curiosity and that sense of curiosity, the challenge is on for you right now to go from, well, I can't change to what if I could? Right. What would it look like if I could? Mm -hmm. How would I go about that if I could? What would the steps be that I would take to make that happen? Who would I go and talk to as a mentor? Who would I hire as a coach? What would I go and see? What would I read? What changes would I make internally right away? 
this power of questioning is incredibly important in leadership of others and leadership of self. The way that we speak to ourselves, the language that we utilize with ourselves is often so disempowering and is leading us in one direction, which is often the direction that we're not wanting to go, which is, mm-hmm. I can't believe you were that stupid or why did you do it that way? Right. Which opens yourself up to going, well, I did it that way because I don't know what I'm doing, for example. Mm-hmm. It opens you up to possibly moving towards where you want to go, but I'd rather you use it using language that's going to definitely take you where you want to go, right? right? So open up to the sense of curiosity, but then use powerful questions such as how, what questions are great questions to use and how can I do this? It presupposes that it can be done, right? which then gets your mind thinking about how you can make it happen. Yes. And Cameron, you spoke about coaching and in leadership. um, I did my administrative certification in leadership and we didn't speak about this much. And this isn't a, a practice that happens a lot in educational leadership. However, I see it's so valuable. So how important is coaching in this process, increasing your emotional intelligence, self awareness, and then be able to help other people? Yeah, there's two points I want to make here. The first is, from a coaching point of view in general, uh, I remember early on when I was just going through some training in this, the analogy of look at the professional sporting industry. Anyone remotely good at what they do has a coach to be able to work with them, to be able to develop them, to be able to see things that they might not be doing or may not be able to see just yet, that they can help them improve, evolve as a human being, as an athlete, and become the best version of themselves and hopefully win a championship in whichever field they're in. And yet, in life, we tend to go, you know what? I'm going to figure this out on my own. Right, right. (laughs) Right. If you did that in the sporting industry, unless you had absolutely everything you needed, Unless you golf, right? (laughs) Unless you golf, yeah. And you, you but even need a that, coach, yes. And there's some people that do it, but majority of people in there, they've got a coach. Right. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see the statistics of percentage of people who have coaching in sporting and percentage of people who don't. I'd say it'd be you know maybe one percent or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so just I wanted to make that point first up that sure. we look at our lives and think that we're going to figure it out all on our own, but there are things that we don't have figured out. There are things that we haven't been taught in childhood, in school, in adult years. And so there are things that we don't have awareness of as to how we can solve a specific challenge. And that brings me to my next point. And I went through a huge amount of training of myself and coaching, uh, being coached uh, and being worked on (laughs) in a way and molded and sculpted to be able to uncover the limiting beliefs, the defining moments that if I hadn't been coached and hadn't been worked on, I probably wouldn't have uncovered those moments in my life that had come from childhood and then in my latter years. And that took somebody else to be able to ask the right questions, to be able to guide me, to be able to become aware of what those challenges were and then be able to guide me on the solutions to that. Mm -hmm. And if I hadn't gone through that training, those of you listening in, I guarantee a bunch of you are the same, that... I'm the kind of guy that would do it anyway. Mm-hmm. But the shift in my thinking that I made was, what if I could get there faster? And better and what stronger. If, and better and stronger. And that would allow me to make an even bigger impact and right. succeed in an even better and bigger and better level. Yeah. And that shift where I can do all this all on my own to, you know what? 
I could do this all on my own, but that's kind of dumb. I remember some, one of my mentors saying, uh, you can either pay for it now in time, effort, and money, or you can pay for it in ignorance tax. <laughs> right, right. And right. I love that because you're either going to pay for it now or you're going to pay for it long term. And I'm going to say the long term pain is much more painful than what the short term is. Mm-hmm. You know, we can't give what we don't have, right? So if we don't work on ourselves as leaders, we can't give this to children. We can't help them to explore emotional intelligence and growth and to be confident and to walk in collaboration and creativity and curiosity. We can't give what we don't have. So it's, it's so important that we, we take the time to do this. And it's so well worth it. I mean, you and I know you've gone through a lot. I've gone through a lot. And because of the responsibility of leadership, that's propelled me to really do some work and it's so worth it. Um, thank Completely you so, agree with you there. Thank you so much for speaking into this. And, you know, when you talk about emotional intelligence being a compulsory subject in school, mm. what does that look like to you? Great question. Here's the thing. I don't care if, as the education system, you call it emotional intelligence, leadership, health and well-being, mindfulness, whatever you want to call it. That is by far the most important thing that you could learn because if you think about it in business or in life you can have all of the education that you like all the academic criteria that you like but if you can't deal with people if you can't deal with yourself if you can't experience life fully along the way what's the point right you're not going to have people that come along for the ride with you You're not going to care about yourself as much as you ideally could. And it ends up being a shallow existence. And for me, I mean, I'm here in Costa Rica. If it wasn't for the emotional intelligence, like I I have relationships all around the world now and beautiful friendships that are built there that you can have the tactics, the system for connecting with people. But if you don't know how to connect with yourself and then be able to connect with other people on a deep, meaningful level and be completely vulnerable in those conversations and to be okay with that and have that sense of curiosity there, then there's going to be a barrier there and that takes longer to build trust, which takes longer to build opportunities, which takes longer to create change. And so you're lengthening the time that it takes to create anything that you could have done with the IQ components of what you learn in school currently. That's a beautiful thing. Thank you so much. And now I'm going to ask you some of my regular questions. Do you still have some time here? I have plenty of time okay, to, to go for it. Let's, <laughs> let's make this happen. All right. So there's, you know, some of my regular questions. Um, which quotes about leadership speak to you and why? I'm not sure if it's a quote exactly, but I love reading a piece in a book by John Maxwell called Five Levels of Leadership. And he talked about vulnerability mm-hmm. and how there are a lot of leaders out there that aren't willing to be vulnerable in their leadership position Mm. because they feel fearful someone will take over them or they feel fearful that someone will find out that maybe they weren't cut out to doing and experiencing and achieving what they on the surface level look like they can achieve. And so the thing that he mentioned in there was that is there a potential when you are vulnerable that someone will take advantage of you? Mm. The answer is yes. Yep. Absolutely. And will it happen? Quite likely. <laughs> yes. But is the upside worth it? Absolutely. Mm. Because 
you get to build people up and give them the autonomy to become the best version of themselves that otherwise you might have tried to control and micromanage, for example. You give them the ability and potential to thrive as their own individual leader of themselves and then to be able to lead as other people as well. Maybe they'll leave. Mm-hmm. Maybe they'll take all the secrets. Yeah. But if you don't truly and wholly bring everything that you possibly can, you're not allowing yourself the opportunity to experience what it could be. And so I absolutely loved that component of John Maxwell about vulnerability. And that has paid huge dividends in my life. And it allows you to build trust so fast with people. And I've got to say, I, most of my conversations with people over the phone or by video call and within 15 minutes, if, we, if I'm able to be completely vulnerable in that conversation, with them being able to be completely vulnerable at the same time, beautiful magic happens so quickly and you can build trust so much faster than what you think is possible. And Cameron, you're absolutely right on because I've spoken to you once before and it's just such a connection and like you get things right away um, because we were able to do that. And, you know, you speak about vulnerability. I did a podcast, My Trust Manifesto, and after I did that, and I know why I did it, I did it because so many people have gone through the same things and so um, to give people hope. But right after I launched it, um, I felt this vulnerability hangover and it didn't last long, but still that fear, right, of rejection, all those things, but you just hit the nail on the head. Is it worth it? And absolutely, I would do it a million times over. So thank you. uh, You're welcome. And and thank you for sharing your story as well. It's amazing. This all ties back into each other uh, for those listening in here. The emotional intelligence piece, you learn how to become your own best friend. Mm -hmm. You no longer need anything from anybody else. So you're okay with being vulnerable because if you get, and I've had this, there was somebody who I was really looking forward to meet a couple of weeks ago on their LinkedIn profile. For example, I use that a lot for building relationships. They look like an amazing human being. I thought this is going to be a really good person to talk to. And they turn out to be an absolute douchebag. And I got off the phone and what previously a number of years would have sent me back. Mm -hmm. And probably with the things that were mentioned in that call, probably would have had me question whether I was really cut out to do what I was doing right now. Mm-hmm. But instead, because I'm my own best friend, I chuckle because I'm about to share something with you. you know, I'll say, do you realize who you just spoke to? Right. This is me talking myself up because I'm my own best friend here. Do right. you realize what just happened? Do you realize who I could have introduced you to? Right. Do you realize how amazing this relationship could have been? Right. Really? You are insane, dude. Then it's bye. Right. Because I've given it that energy and then I've gone, okay, I'm done. And I'd love to share this story. Uh, I remember hearing in a book years ago by this spiritual teacher about two ducks fighting in a pond. And I got to experience my version of this. I was coming back when I was living in Australia. I used to get a massage once a month up in the hills. I used to have that day just for myself. And (laughs) I used to drive up to the hills, had the massage. She is still by far the best massage therapist that I've ever experienced. And then coming back, I would stop off at this little town. It was a beautiful town with trees overhanging. You walk out and step out of the car and almost take a deep breath and go, Yeah, I feel really good in this place. Mm-hmm. And there was a lake in the town and it was a, a small amount away from the town where not that many people knew about it. I would go down there once a month and I'd walk around this lake and there were different birds there. And I got to experience this 
example where instead of two birds fighting in a pond, it was four birds fighting in a pond. I don't know whether one of the water birds' wife or husband said something about the other one, but, <laughs> but they, they went for it because there were two fighting to begin with. Then it was, like, it was three, and then you just see this other one fly in, and they just went for it for ages. And I got it on video. I'm going to do a video of this at some stage when I get a little time mm -hmm. because I was thinking, I'm going to see if this really plays out, this thing that this spiritual teacher was talking about. And they were fighting for ages, and then it came to the time where the victors had won, and then within a minute, each and every one of them got up on their legs in the water and flapped their wings. Hmm. And what that was, was the releasing of the excess energy that came in that situation. Hmm. And what happens as human beings, the beautiful thing about us is we get to evolve our thinking, but it can also be our worst enemy as well. Because you imagine going into a conversation and you come out of it and it's almost been a little battle. Right. And instead of shaking off that excess energy, we allow it to get stuck in us. It rather festers, than yes. It festers. Why did that person do that to right. me? I can't believe they said that. How dare that, that bird kick me in the water? How mm -hmm. dare they peck me right. with that beak, right? And rather the bird, because it's an automatic response, I'll flap my wings and the excess energy is gone. They flow off and they're moving forward with their life. They're in the present moment. Whereas as in leadership and in relationships and just ourselves personally, we end up being the bird that floats away, allowing those things to get stuck in us rather than flowing through us. Hmm. And that's a skill and a practice, Cameron. Mm. Which again, flows back into emotional intelligence. So I got to say, right. I really hope that these examples are showcasing why it is such a yes. powerful skill, not just to develop your own happiness and well-being, like that's awesome, but it allows you to just smash it in life, in business, in your career, in whichever area you are focusing on and be the best version of yourself each and every time. And no matter what situation you were exposed to before in a previous conversation, it doesn't impact or at least minimally impacts the next conversation that you go into. So mm -hmm. that then not only have you maybe been beaten down in a previous conversation, you back that up with the next conversation and you're at your A game again. Cameron, thank you so much for sharing that story and your, your energy is so contagious. I'm ready to keep rocking and rolling. All right. A couple of more questions. What type <laughs> of leader are you inspired by and why? Definitely someone who's leading by example and somebody who's not only doing it for themselves and others, but also for the planet. I believe we need a new wave of leadership of people who are not only focused on the people around them, but also our planet in general, because if we don't make some dramatic changes now and in the near future, we're in some serious trouble. That's right. Okay. Now, what's the best advice you ever received? Hmm. Mm. <laughs> There's been a lot. One of them that's really stuck with me is, the moment you think you've arrived is the moment you're in for a very big fall. Hmm. And, I, and I love that. It keeps me humble. It keeps me knowing that there's always another level. It hasn't just been that, but that's definitely played a part in me then opening up to new waves of possibility. Right. And, and I love that because it's so true. I mean, as far as keeping you humble, we never arrive. We, we can always grow some more and, and bring people along with us. Exactly. So get over yourself. Yes. <laughs> You're your best friend, but yes, get over yourself. Yeah, yeah. I, here's the thing. You're, 
with, with being your own best friend, you can talk yourself up. And, and I do this constantly. I'll talk myself up constantly behind closed doors. And I'm consistently giving myself great feedback and saying how awesome I am and telling myself I love myself and all those pieces. And that's all beautiful. But if I said everything that I do internally to keep my state uh, the way that it needs to me to be able to serve as many people as I do, people would think I'm egotistical. <laughs> it's not the case. It's simply how can I take care of myself first so that then I'm not needing it from other people. And I can vouch for that. It's certainly not the case. You're an amazing, <laughs> generous person. And oh. I've just met you recently and I'm so moved and inspired by what you're doing. Now, can you tell us about a challenge that you've experienced that has shaped your life? There's been a couple of big ones for me. One was back in 2010. If anyone's been following me for a while, you may have heard this story. I remember hearing a, a neighbor screaming out one night and and went over and, and she'd just found her son had, had committed suicide that afternoon. Mm. And he was only going on 18. And wow. myself and another neighbor ran through the house and experienced everything that goes on when something like that happens in a family's life. And to see that play out, you know, I went in and was looking after the two little kids inside when the dad came home and then the grandparents. Mm. And so that was a, uh, and I, I still get a bit emotional talking about it. That for me, it was a real defining moment in my life because it was a moment of here you are living an okay life and there's people that need help. What the hell are you doing about it, man? And it was a few months later that I enrolled in the coaching course and really started learning about this emotional intelligence piece that I've been talking about today. And it was also around the time I wrote the song Close to the Edge, which is a song about bullying and suicide, which has passed 1.6 million plays now and been used in school projects and film projects around the world. And it's used in some of the speaking engagements I do as well. So I would say that that would be the, the biggest one for me in that it was just a seismic shift in how I chose to live my life going forward to be of service to others and to be able to overcome my own internal stuff mm -hmm. to be able to allow myself to serve others. And then the other one for me, in late 2014, uh, a relationship of mine came to an end and it was the relationship that I thought was the one. I came out of that and asked myself, well, what do I really want to experience in my life? And it led to basically a flip of what, how I was living my life then. Within a month, I went skydiving and abseiling down waterfalls and rock climbing and whitewater rafting and gliding. And wow. uh, it just so many different experiences and realized it's, life is really about experiences. And it allowed me to challenge some of the ways that I was choosing to live my life, not under anyone's need for me to do that, but just how I thought I need to live my life based on how other people had lived theirs. And it allowed me just to open up to this whole new way of living and being, which is now just has me um, living in 12 different countries this year. And last year had events and experiences all around the world and recorded music in LA and spoke at events. And it was it's just amazing since making that shift. So I'd say those two big challenges for me and working through those and allowing myself to work through those versus just brushing it off and saying, hey, you'll be okay. It was mm. no, experience it fully. Because we are human beings. It's not just about being happy all the time. It's mm -hmm. about experiencing the full range of emotions. Because by experiencing the darkness, that allows us to experience light. You don't know what darkness is without a daylight. You don't know what a beautiful day is without a really bad one. Right. And so that beautiful contrast that is what makes us human beings is what allows us to experience life fully and wholly versus just being in the middle of mediocre. Wow. And so, you know, by this time, our listeners are wondering, how can I get in contact with this guy? 
Because you speak to a lot of things, emotional intelligence, but also what is plaguing our schools is the bullying and the suicide rates going up. So what's the best way for our listeners to get in touch with you? Yeah, great. Best way is thrivingcollective.com. That's the website. There's information on speaking, coaching, as well as the social campaigns that have me traveling around the world. And so you can grab a checklist there. You can just become part of the movement there. And also, you know, if you want to reach out uh, for anything in particular, then there's there's a place to do that on the pages. Uh, so yeah, highly recommend there. And uh, you know, check out Facebook and Instagram and things like that if you'd like to. Uh, I'm sure Lily, you'll post the links in the description of this anyway. Yeah, and you have a brand new song out, right? Yeah, we ended up launching two over the last couple of weeks. The first one was about living an extraordinary life which came out two weeks ago that was going to be the only one for the year because it was to do with the whole project that was launched this year the dream live give project but just seeing some of the challenges that we as a species are facing at the moment the second one which is about social isolation and separation which launched just yesterday i just felt like it needed to be brought forward a year because 12 months just seemed way too long and the messages I've received already that how impactful it's been in people's lives and people have opened up already with some of the challenges that are going on for them. That tells me I did the right thing versus just holding off on a year just because mm-hmm. I've had so much going on. So yeah. Right. So I mean, I want to thank you for that. I saw it. It's a powerful message and I've shared mm-hmm. it and I will continue to share it. So thank you for that wisdom and just releasing it so much earlier than you anticipated. You're welcome. You know, the thing we talked about in terms of the creation zone, now that you guys have heard about it go and listen to that song our modern connection it's on the website and you can check it out elsewhere Lily, you can post a link to it in this as well go and listen to that that in the lyrics deep down is the creation zone playing out you go and listen to that and you go oh my gosh that's right (laughs) so i trust you get some value from that and listening to that all right so cameron is there anything that we haven't addressed that you'd like to share with our listeners I think we've done a really good job. Lily, you've been a great host. I really appreciate. You know, the last thing I would just mention is as educational leaders, for most of you listening in on this call, anyone else in leadership as well, but if you're in education, you have, to me, an opportunity, but also a responsibility. Mm. And a lot of people say, oh, it's the parents' responsibility to teach them this stuff. They haven't been taught this. And so we need to get something into the schooling system. We owe it to our kids. We owe it to future generations. We owe it to ourselves as a species to evolve to this next phase. Because if we don't, we're going to be in some serious trouble. We're only just starting to see the repercussions of that. So I really hope that even if just one person in here creates some form of change in the education system and brings this in, whether it's non-compulsory or compulsory, just does something to bring and increase the level of emotional intelligence in kids, you're going to save lives. Yes. Thank you so much, Cameron, um, for not just adding value to me, but adding value to our listeners. Absolute pleasure. It's been absolutely awesome. I've loved my time here. You've been great. Thank you. Hello, leaders. Don't forget to go to masterleadership.org to find out how to get a free coaching session from one of the exceptional leaders that are featured on this podcast. Until next time, bye.